1: and the best part about quince they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe ethical and responsible manufacturing elevate your style without the elevated price tag with quince go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns we have merch check out the americanglutton.net shop we've got t-shirts hoodies hats and more a number of people have come up to me wearing American Glutton merch and nothing fills my heart with more pride than seeing somebody in one of these t-shirts. And I've been stopped on the street and asked where to get it when somebody sees me in an American Glutton hoodie. Well, you can get it all at the shop on americanglutton.net. And my favorite t-shirt, yesterday it was tomorrow, right now, is up now, get it while supplies last. Hi. Hi. Please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. I've had a lot of questions about peptides. So today I'm talking to Dr. Adil Khan from the Eterna Medical Clinic to answer all of them. Please enjoy. Dr. Khan, welcome to the American Glutton Podcast.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Dude, I have so many questions. Uh, you know, I I think I first heard the word peptide a few years ago. And just it went in one ear and out the other. But now I hear about peptides all the time. In fact, I think some of the FDA approved weight loss drugs that are currently like exploding on the marketplace are peptides. Is that right? Some of them?
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, you know, peptides. So people understand, like the first peptide that became really famous was a peptide called insulin. I think oh. most people have heard of insulin. It was over a hundred years ago, and it was a remarkable discovery because they're able to put this chain of amino acids, which is a protein and hence a peptide, in and, and synthesize that to do a specific task, which is obviously insulin lowers blood sugar. It sends a signal to your body to say, Hey, take the sugar from your blood and lower and go put it into the cells. So Basically, people, once they understand, okay, insulin is a peptide. So what are these designer peptides doing now, they can send a signal, and we can make them to send whatever signal we want, which is really cool, if you think about it. So that means we can kind of manipulate the body different ways to kind of achieve the targeted outcome. And so obviously with insulin, the outcome is to lower your blood sugar, but now we have peptides that can help with weight loss. Um, that's a or semaglutide. That's the one that became really popular because, you know, the Kardashians did it. And then all these people started doing it and it sold out. It sold out everywhere and people are injecting themselves left, right, and center. And, but then there's also the, you know, there's, there's risks too, because, um, you know, semaglutide uh, the problem with that is when you lose weight, you lose fat and you lose muscle. Uh, and when you're losing muscle, as you, as I'm sure your audience is aware, muscle is so important for longevity. It is an organ of longevity, really, right? And so, essentially, if you're losing muscle and fat, are you really getting healthier? I don't know. Um, I don't think you are. And so, that's why you have to be careful with those weight loss peptides. But there are other peptides that we have, and I'm sure we're going to go into it, um, especially with what we're doing with our new peptides that we have, um, and that can help preserve muscle and help lose weight, too.
1: Yeah, the... the- For me, the tricky thing about stuff like semiglutide is, you know, I think if somebody's uh, uh, morbidly obese and has been obese for many years and has tried numerous attempts at dieting and nothing has worked and they cannot and and just for whatever reason are not successful losing weight. I completely understand, like thinking of a a lifetime course on semiglutide. I understand that. What I don't understand is somebody like Kim Kardashian who I mean, how much weight did she really plan to lose or need to yeah. lose or want to lose five, 10, 15 pounds, because like any crash diet, the the weight that you take off, if you don't make any lifestyle adjustments, will definitely come back on when you're in such a severe caloric deficit, you are losing lean tissue as well as fat. And so it, it is net un. it. it, it uh, it's unhealthier certainly you might like you know maybe if some chick is like i gotta fit into this wedding dress and i don't care what i weigh for the rest of my life i just want to i understand it but i don't think for the the amount of people that just jumped on that drug um but i think you can also if you do enough resistance training and eat enough protein but like if you're gonna go through all that trouble you could just be on a diet too. You, you know what I mean? If you're going to go through the trouble of trying not to lose muscle mass while taking something like a, that just makes starving yourself easy. That one's that's really, that's
2: literally what it's doing. It's just making you feel fuller and poss- possibly just making you nauseous. So you don't want to eat as much. Right. Uh, and so if you look at it from a mechanism perspective, it's what's called a GLP one agonist, which is basically, it's a satiety um, signal to your body. So meaning it helps to keep you fuller. Uh, but that's why the second generation Ozempic is called Monjoro or trizepatide. Uh That one is actually the one I'm using primarily now and the, the reason is because it doesn't just improve GLP-1, it also increases insulin sensitivity. So meaning it actually makes your body more sensitive to in the insulin signal, which is really what's important for longevity, health, anti-aging, because if you have too much insulin and you become resistant, that can cause chronic inflammation, uh, and as well as it, it just accelerates the aging process. And so one of the main benefits of actual insulin sensitivity or of how to improve insulin sensitivity is increasing muscle mass. And that's why resistance training is so beneficial, because it improves your body's insulin sensitivity. So, uh, but not everyone is necessarily going to do that or they can't or whatever. And so obviously there's pharmaceutical ways to do that now. Um, And that's kind of Metformin's claim to fame too. And, you know, in the longevity community, a lot of people were using metformin because they're like, oh, it improves insulin sensitivity it may help you live longer. Uh, but then there's always like, we always find out with these drugs when you're on them for long term, there tend to be risks with them, like they deplete your body certain nutrients, and they may have other risks that we're not aware of. Um, So I think because the way drugs work is they're not just one isolated target, they have multiple effects. And we don't always know what the long term effects of those unintended co- side effects are really. Uh, whereas with peptides, they're very, very targeted. So they're not going to, have off-site targets or unintended side effects, uh, typically with most peptides. And so that's why they're very safe. Um, but the issue is with, is, is, it's honestly, it's, it's almost like experimentation, which is it's weird, but I, I can tell you I'm using peptides all the time in my practice. And, but there isn't really a many randomized control trials for a lot of these peptides, like BPC-157, for example, it's called body protection complex. It's, they call it the Wolverine peptide. Um, It helps with healing and regeneration and and it triggers all these different regenerative pathways. And so many people I've used it with so many patients and so many people have found it so helpful for different injuries and helping with healing and um, acute, acute injuries, especially. And, but there's no randomized trials in humans, to be honest, but, but there's probably millions of people who've done it at this point. So you have so much real world evidence that at some point you just have to say like, okay, this actually works. Uh, And that's where it's, it's, it's hard for, I think a lot of, traditional doctors to figure that to understand that because they're like how can so many people be doing peptides when there isn't randomized control trials done in humans yet Uh, but it's just one of those things that because the regulatory bodies can't keep up with the innovation that's happening in medicine and so we have all these new treatments and peptides is one of them and stem cells and gene therapy are another ones which we can talk about too.
1: Yeah, I, w- I would love to. I mean, I find this so fascinating. With something like BPC-157, is is it just that nobody owns the patent on it? Like, why is it exactly. that no – is that it?
2: Literally, because it's not patentable, so it's, it's not a – there's no way to monetize it for a pharmaceutical company. So why is Pfizer or the, any of these companies going to pick up and do a randomized trial? Because those trials cost millions of dollars, and there's no incentive for them to do it because there's no money to be made. Uh, and, so and it, it would likely it
1: would, it would likely reduce their sales in another department on a drug that they do that, have the rights to.
2: That's the thing. There's so many peptide. Man, the peptide world, like in Russia, you got to hand it to the Russians because the Russians have been using peptides for almost like 25, 30 years, and they have the most literature on this by far. Um, and you know, they've they've you know, they're not corrupted by the pharmaceutical industries, and I mean, st- many other countries too, but Russia's when it comes to peptides, that's what they've been researching for many, many years. And if you look at a lot of the Russian literature and on this, there's so much evidence for so many different issues. And he like, you know, from different chronic diseases, autoimmune conditions, chronic fatigue, COVID, like, and like, especially COVID is like, I mean, now there's talk about COVID again. And like, it just, you know, it's just like one of those things. It's like, why aren't we talking about like all these interventions that can keep people healthier and le- reduce it's a burden of disease instead of just waiting for something to happen and then just saying, well, like, oh, well, you know, get vaccinated or there's no other option. <laughs> like there are other options that can be very beneficial and peptides are one of them. Um, there's one in particular called thymolin that's been used in many studies in, in Russia and um, basically looking at how it can reduce COVID um, mortality, morbidity, and it can help with recovery because it, it, it stimulates your thymus gland, which stimulates your immune system. Um, And so, again, it's just sending a signal to your immune system to boost it. So it's so cool if you think about it, right? It's like a because everyone wants to boost their immune system. But like, you know, like with vitamins and stuff like that, it's kind of like you're not really sure if it's actually doing anything, whereas with a peptide, you know, for sure it's going to do something. Uh, So I think that's that's the cool thing about them.
1: I had such a weird experience at the gym where, you know, I have my headphones on. I usually don't really I'm not chatty with people and A guy was on vacation, and he came up to me, and and it's very uncommon. He knew who I was, and but but like the people who are at the gym know me, but I don't. But it's not a thing. But this guy was from out of town, and and he comes up to me, and he's like, "Dude, I really like you a lot, and I got to tell you about this peptide." And it was so weird, but he was talking, and I can't remember the name. I wish I could, but he was like, "I, "I do, I do a." a a cycle of this peptide once a year and it's anti-aging and I'm going to live forever and it creates a longer telomere or or something like he used all these words. And, and then that was it. That's all he wanted to tell me. He wanted to tell me to check out this thing. And I like asked my doctor about it. My doctor was like, I don't know anything about that. And so I kind of dropped it, but it, I, I think it is, it is a world where there's like all this stuff, and like some of it, as we know, like, you know, you can't just discount peptides, insulin. I have a kid with type one diabetes. She's been using insulin. I had no idea that was a peptide. She's been using that for 15 years. So like yeah. it's keeping her alive. Some of them are doing something clearly. And it, and it is, it is, you know, if if these things would work against the profits of the pharmaceutical companies, in some cases, and they would have no incentive to really look into them. And that's how we get FDA approved drugs.
2: And and that's the problem. And that's why we need to rethink the whole way we're doing it, uh, which is a whole systemic issue. But because other countries have regulatory frameworks that are much more progressive than the way FDA has it, where they allowing for a lot of these more innovative treatments because they're safe. Number one, they're not harmful. And they have potential good evidence for them. So it's always about benefit versus risk. Or in medicine, we call it number needed to treat versus number needed to harm. That's that's a technical statistical term. But basically the gist is how much benefit can this have and what's the risk in it? And so these treatments, peptides, have very little risk and they have a lot of potential benefit. So and in Japan, I love Japan because I w- I worked there for a bit and I'm gonna be working there next summer because they're they're so far advanced when it comes to gene editing and cell therapy and whatnot. And they have this framework where they're allowing people, they're allowing doctors to do anything that's phase one investigational and allow it to use it in patients as long as it's deemed safe. And they, they have a framework on how they deem it safe. And so, whereas with FDA, they're like, no, and it has to go through like all phase three trials and it has to go through this rigorous process because everything, they're treating it like a harmful drug. They don't understand that not everything is like, like, for example, like um, if you have rheumatoid arthritis, they put you on like something called methotrexate, which like suppresses your immune system. So, and it can really increase your risk of cancer, deplete your body of nutrients. So you better have a lot of evidence for that if you're going to be prescribing that to people, cause there's all these potential harm. So yes, it has to obviously go through many trials and has to go through this like five, 10 year process, but for something like a peptide or, or like stem cells, which are pretty much harmless, like they're not, and we know that now because there's so much studies on them, like they're very safe. And why not, you know, allow doctors to start using that because we know they're safe and they can be potentially beneficial with little risk and a lot of upside. And so that's the way the Japanese do it. And I think that makes perfect sense to me because the the risk is very low and the potential benefits high. And like back to the anti-aging longevity thing, I think he was probably talking about epithalon. It's a peptide that increases yes. telomere length. That's right. <laughs> epithalon. Yeah. And so have a... I don't. I don't know if you use threads. I started using threads sometimes, so I made a, a threads post or whatever you call it about uh, about a longevity peptide protocol, and it, it includes epithalon and um, a few others, and like growth hormone peptide, and you can cycle them a few times a year for longevity and anti aging. And it's not that you're never going to die, but you'll probably slow down aging for sure, because especially the the two of the biggest reasons we eat, age is um, you know is our is our immune system aging. And so peptides can help with that by keeping your thymus gland strong. And then BPC helps with gut health and gut inflammation, which is obviously a big driver in aging as well. So peptides have really unique benefits in anti-aging and longevity too. So a lot of people, I think a lot of doctors who kind of know what's up, they're, they're using them in their practice.
1: Okay. I have so much to ask you. I want to go back to one point you made specifically about the pharmaceuticals and ask you if I'm correct on this, but in thinking about the ways that pharmaceutical companies are currently marketing and selling these weight loss drugs, the one you mentioned that you like that the brand name is Yeah. Now, is it true that whatever pharmaceutical company is selling Monjourno, they're just taking that drug trizepatide and adding some vitamin to it or something like that.
2: <laughs> like, so they can patent it. Right. <laughs> so but, you can, you can get a generic trizepatide and it's the same thing at a fraction of the cost. Fri- uh, yes. Yeah, so
1: that's and the scam they're running.
2: It's not FDA approved. So they'll say it's it's not allowed. So it's crazy.
1: Right. But, it but what they're adding to it is not, is also it's not really changing it. No, it's not changing the
2: effect of the molecule at all.
1: Right. So that I think th- when I looked at that, I was like, "This is just this is re- this is a scam. This is a that- big business scam."
2: These podcasts are so important, and I think it's raising awareness against the narrative because the narrative still, you know, pharmaceutical companies—they're like, I always my analogy because I was an early investor in Tesla. So I understand Tesla really well, and uh, I can. The analogy is the same, which is the oil companies wanted Tesla to go bankrupt. And in fact, they almost succeeded. Tesla was like this close, like literally one quarter away from going bankrupt, and that was because it was the most heavily shorted stock in history. So every all these big oil companies were shorting the shit out of it. And then on top of that, you had all this FUD, which is fear, uncertainty, and doubt, which is basically in the mainstream media saying Tesla's not making money, they're going to go out of business, blah blah blah. And like for someone like me, I was like, I got scared at certain points, but I just I just kept buying more and more. And then but I but I, because I had because I I believe the company, and I under I also understood where I think. the the sentiment was shifting, which is people want electric vehicles. So I didn't let the mainstream media stuff scare me. But and then, you know, lo and behold, like a couple of years later, everyone's like, oh, Tesla's the best company ever. (laughs) It's like so. But it's like and pharmaceutical companies are doing that same thing, which is they're able to control the narrative through media to say that these things are dangerous or they can be harmful or they don't work. Uh, But it's just it's just the same thing. It's the same playbook, which is just fun.
1: Yeah. No, you hear about uh, one fatal accident with the self-driving car. And suddenly it's like, well, this we can't have self-driving cars. And yet, if you heard about how many fatal accidents there were with human driven cars every day, I don't know how we could get back in a car ever.
2: Exactly. And that's and that's exactly what they do. It's called availability heuristic, which is it's a cognitive bias, which is like if, if humans see like an airplane crash and they hear about it in the media, they get scared about going on an airplane. Because that's available to us, and so we take we get bias, and we think that going on airplanes can be dangerous when airplanes are like a thousand times safer than going in a car. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's the same cognitive biases we have, and people and they understand that they're not dumb. Like they're they're, they're multi billion dollar companies and corporations. They understand how to manipulate people to get to get them to do kind of what they want. Uh, and right now, they really don't want them to get into all these you know, regenerative therapies, I would say, which include peptides, because they're all signals that can reprogram your body and get you actually healthier and prevent disease and, you know, actually put you in remission or cure disease. And that's not good for business, right?
1: Yeah. Um, Okay, here's the second thing that you that something you were talking about, made me think of and, and want to ask you is, I have four daughters, a granddaughter and a wife, I'm surrounded by women. And Uh, one of the things I've noticed is that as men age, there's a lot of stuff that can be done for men to feel younger, to experience, to to not experience any decline in in whatever their hormones was. And I'm constantly advertising. I see billboards for this all the time. I see much less for women. And I've heard that some of this hormone stuff and women who who literally go through something called the change of life, where their hormones completely change from what they were, which and from everything I've gleaned is, is not a very fun experience. I'm not seeing a lot in that arena. And so what I wanted to ask you is these things, these peptides, because I know mainstream medicine seems to work male to female pretty equally. But then the the kind of alternative stuff doesn't do the peptides are there courses for women that are just as useful
2: yeah no for sure there I mean for hormones because women hormonal regulation is obviously a lot more complicated than men and that's why a lot of practitioners don't really understand how to do that stuff properly so you have to you have to know how to optimize your hormones based off like not just, Blood work, But sometimes you have to use like salivary testing, urine testing, genetic testing to figure out how their body metabolizes hormones. So there's a lot, it's, it can be a lot more tricky. Um, and so not a lot of doctors are trained in that. But the doctor, there are definitely doctors, um, you know, there, there's a peptide institute that trains uh, female and male doctors. And I know a lot of the female doctors use fe- peptides all the time on females, because a lot of females, what happens to them after they have menopause, they're not eating much, but they can't lose weight, no matter how much they try. Um, and that's because of the hormonal issues and and peptides can help with that as well because it can just help with metabolism and processing um because it it is not just you know there's obviously there's calories in and calories out and like no one's saying that's not true it's just what's the underlying mechanisms as to why that doesn't always apply in certain cases you know what i mean where it's like one side gets shifted so because your body's not metabolizing because of hormonal dysregulation so the calories you're putting in may not get processed as well as someone who's has a healthier hormonal profile so they can basically affect metabolism so so it's not just because because everyone's just like oh just cut your calories eat less and exercise more but it's not that simple
1: well i think that also it will come down to how much your body is resisting what you're doing so like for me, I've noticed that my body is far less resistant to a mild caloric deficit. It just it's just not hard for me to hit a, a small calorie deficit. I get in this groove and my wife can do that. And, and again, like the amounts of weights that I have wanted to lose versus the amount of weight that she has wanted to lose is very different. I, I've lost almost 300 pounds. And when I'm like, I got to do a photo shoot, I want to lose five pounds. It's just like, okay, I'm going back to this thing that's worked for me for years now. She has never wanted to lose more than six or seven pounds. And those six or seven pounds are really, really stubborn. And I, you know, I notice when she starts onto a course where she's like, I'm going to lose this five pounds. She hits a time of the month and it just is like her body is throwing everything against her like it's just much harder in some instances for her to do that um so i do think hormones and and that uh the menstrual cycle like they are a much more complicated species
0: life is full of what ifs some awesome like what if ai could fold your laundry
1: to get started, visit plushcare.com
0: slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: <laughs> For sure. And the but the, and the cool thing is though, if you if you work with like a good, you know, there's so many good doctors now who know this type of stuff, but like it's it's there's like a peptide called um CJC and ipromerelin, which basically bo- boosts your body's own production of growth hormone. So it's not actually giving you growth hormone, but it's just sending a signal. To increase growth hormones um, production, and then that can help with weight weight loss recovery. Um, It also has anti aging properties, and it's it's something you can easily add on for people who are plateaued. And I think those and those type of interventions again have very low harm. And uh, but it's also one of those things. It's it's not super accessible because I feel like the majority of people still doing peptides are just doing them. You know, they're ordering them off some website and just doing it on their own, reading on online. Um, so it's it has to be like doctors at some point have to accept that this is happening and that we have you have to educate yourself on it so that you can help your patients and not just say like oh i don't know anything like you know you're just doing your own shady stuff go good luck <laughs> like yeah. so you have to educate and try to help your patients
1: right when when the guy said that peptide that you mentioned epithalon i think yeah. Is that it? Yeah. So he says this word to me. He's. It's almost like he's telling me the secret to the universe in the gym. And I'm like, dude, I'm just trying to work out. Okay. epithalon. But I looked it up. I asked my doctor and my doctor was like, I don't know anything about it, but I think you can get it. And I looked and it's like, you're, you're literally just ordering a vial of something from a website. Like I could never do that simply because like, I don't know, I, I it just seemed so like I'm going to order something on Amazon that's injectable. Like the whole thing seemed crazy to me.
2: Yeah, exactly. And it, it's interesting because I always thought like it would be crazy too for like most people. But then I th- there's so many people do it it now it's, it's and i prefer my obviously preference is you do it under the supervision of a doctor just because or like an experienced practitioner so at least they can guide you on like you know quality because there are obviously a lot of manufacturers who don't have good quality peptides and then also like dosing regimens and like how to cycle on and off safely in case what if you, in case you do get side effects like they're just you know you don't you don't want to be yes peptides are relatively safe but they're not It's not to the point where it's just like, you know, you just want to be willy nilly with it and just experiment and see what happens.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, something like that for me, I would want somebody who has some knowledge of it to say, here's exactly what you do. And I'm getting good pharmaceutical grade stuff.
2: So many health coaches, like even like Ben Greenfield is a perfect, like he knows so much about peptides. Like when I went on his podcast, we chatted about them and he's super well knowledgeable and he coaches people like, like people like him are ac- very accessible to get coaching from. And just even if you do one session with them, at least they give you an overview of like how to dose it properly, how to do it properly, all that stuff.
1: Right. Um, okay. You mentioned other peptides that reduce muscle wasting. Yeah. What are so,
2: those? I, I mean, I have to talk about this since it's like, it's, it's, I mean, it's really a breakthrough technology. Um, so the company is called mini circle. I I'm, their chief medical officer, but I'm not the inventor, the scientists who invented it are much smarter than me. Uh, There's these two really brilliant guys and they came up with what's called the world's first reversible plasmid gene therapy. Uh, So plasmid is of bacterial origin, but there's no live bacteria in there. So it's basically just a circle of DNA, hence the name mini circle. But traditionally gene therapies were viral vectors. So when you have a viral vector, they're a expensive to manufacture, and B, once you give a virus to your body, there's always a risk it can translocate. It, there's been case reports of even deaths. Um, so there are potential risks with viral gene therapies. And once you have a viral vector, you can't repeat it. It's usually last five to 10 years, and then that's kind of it. But this one, it's and it's not reversible. So this one, it's reversible, meaning you could take an antibiotic and you can get out of your body if you want for whatever reason. And And the other cool thing about it, because it's a plasmid and there's no live bacteria in there, it doesn't actually have any risk in terms of causing like you know infection or causing any sort of issues that way um so it's very safe uh and and basically what this modal this gene therapy platform does is it can allow you to secrete any peptide or protein in the body for up to one and a half to two years so instead of having to inject yourself every day because the peptides have a short half-life and so instead of having to inject yourself every day you can just do this plasma gene therapy for whatever peptide you're targeting and it can last for one and a half to two years so the first product Um, that we have is called phallostatin, phallostatin gene therapy. So phallostatin is a peptide that's been around for over 20 years. And the reason why bodybuilders and everyone was so into phallostatin was because it inhibits myostatin. So like if you've ever seen those Belgian blue cows, like those jacked cows, like they have so much muscle, it's because they have a myostatin deficiency. Oh, wow. So they're making enough myostatin. But that's like a genetic mutation where they're just not making any myostatin. So they're just putting on a shitload of muscle and they're just jacked. no reason but if you but follow statin so that's why a lot of bodybuilders were like oh i want to use follow statin like it can inhibit myostatin but the problem was the short half the half life was so short so it wouldn't really work because you'd have to insect yourself two three times a day and you have to do it for months and no like that's really not sustainable for most people at least um and so this technology allows us to do the follow statin gene therapy so you just do one injection like in your belly and it lasts for one and a half to two years and what follistatin does, it just it basically inhibits myostatin, so allows you to put on more lean body mass. It gives you more energy. It reduces systemic inflammation, and in mice, it's been shown to extend lifespan by like thirty percent. Um, so it can so it has anti-aging longevity benefits as well. Uh, but the coolest thing is it's very anti-catabolic, so it can for people who are aging, and obviously you start losing muscle after age thirty naturally if you're not doing resistance training, and so as you're aging, you're losing more and more muscle every year. Um, so, you have to fight it quite hard. And so, this can help to fight that. Like, you know, it can help to shift it. So, you're more anabolic and and anti-catabolic. So, you're not going to lose muscle. Um, and as we were talking about earlier, too, like the, we just finished our phase one clinical trial, which will be published soon. But basically, uh, we did DEXA scans on everyone. And the cool thing was that people who were losing weight, um, even people who weren't doing resistance training and not really eating that much protein, they lost no muscle. They just lost fat, purely fat. Whoa. Um, so, it was really cool.
1: I mean, that's insane. I even eating a, a good deal of protein because I've done a lot of diets and a lot of DEXA scans. And I found that even on something like uh, the the keto diet, which you're eating a, a lot of meat. I, when I was losing weight, I was losing 30 to 40% lean tissue also, which was so disappointing. Like I had to get so unbelievably specific with my diet and so slow with my weight loss in order to maintain lean tissue it was like, it's really tough. Um, so yeah,
2: yeah, it's good. It's good. You're sharing that because people don't understand how tough that is.
1: (laughs) It's really hard. I mean, when you look at basically, if you want to preserve all your, all your lean tissue, you kind of have to exist as a bodybuilder. And those guys are always either overeating or dieting. And when they diet, they work out a lot and they eat a lot of protein and like they're they're figuring it out scientifically like to the gram and they're also doing some drugs that help them out when, which you so know. but there are there is a I've been
2: doing I've been doing natural bodybuilding myself for like you know 11 years now and so I'm 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 very well versed in it and like if you're if you're doing natural bodybuilding I think it is the best it is the best thing for the as as long as you, you don't have to necessarily go to extreme dieting to get like shredded shredded but applying the principles of natural bodybuilding which is periodization and training and also yeah. cyclical you know like carb, carb refeeds and stuff like that like like if you do it in an intelligent way you can really preserve lean body mass
1: and also giving your body a break your body needs a break from dieting after a while and you have to maintain for a while to to like reset your hormones but so I'm not going to remember any of the words you said. the plas th- this plasmatic gene therapy, I'm yeah. sure I said it wrong. Um, <laughs> th- these guys figured out a way to deliver a course of drugs for a year and a half that would otherwise require three doses a day in one shot.
2: Yeah, exactly. I know it sounds like science fiction. So that's why the, that's why it's a technological breakthrough, um, which will be published in nature in the next few years, but you know, it's a patent. So you don't necessarily want to tell people every uh, all about it, but, um, but yeah, no, it's going to be, it's a very breakthrough technology because we're going to make different, you know, we can make, we can make different gene therapies for so many different peptides, uh, but also for rare conditions like cystic fibrosis and um, there's one called retinitis pigmentosa where you're missing a, a peptide and we can make a gene therapy for that and replace it in your body. And we can even, you know, you can, you can treat those conditions as well. So there's so many applications and that's why, um, you know, we have, we, we got um, two of our main investors. One of them is Peter Thiel, the PayPal guy. Sure. And then our other main investor, uh, Sam Altman, the chat GPT guy. So we got two, uh, two good, well-known people who are, you know, involved. And it's exciting because I think we can disrupt a lot of mainstream medicine, hopefully with it, especially with the pharmaceuticals, because you can do these different gene therapies and kind of reprogram your body and make them healthier, prevent you from disease, chronic disease and um, slow down aging, too.
1: Okay, when I think about um, medication, I take a medication for my blood pressure and I've been taking it for 15 years and I could probably come off, but uh, I just haven't. I'm trying to figure out what it costs without insurance. It, 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 if I'm just trying to think of what a year's worth, of like, is this shock going to cost a hundred grand?
2: <laughs> Actually there is a company. So yes, it is a hundred. And, and there is one other competitor that has something similar, but they use viral vector and it costs, I think it costs a hundred thousand yeah. dollars. Yeah. Ours is not a hundred thousand. Ours is right now is 25,000. However, we are working. My goal, our goal with it is to eventually make it like a few thousand dollars. So it's much more affordable. It just, but with, with new technology, just like, you remember TVs? Like TVs used to cost like those plasma TVs used to cost like hundred thousand dollars, and now they cost a few thousand, right? So I think any time with technology, it's, it's Moore's law. There's going to be innovation in manufacturing, and there's going to be um, a more demand, and there's going to be reduction in co- like cost curve reduction. So I think over the next few years, where the goal, goal for us, like I, as part of the company, is definitely to make it in the you know hopefully in the next in the next year by like bring it down by ten thousand dollars, and then and eventually make it a couple thousand like five thousand dollars would be the goal. Um, and I think at that point, be a, a much more affordable for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, but I mean, listen. Okay, twenty five thousand dollars is a hell of a lot more reasonable than a hundred thousand dollars. But if you're th- if you, like I I I just thought of like what I spend, and I know that you're. I'm sure somebody's going to try to uh, do something with this to to start working on autoimmune diseases and all of that stuff. But like, I think about my daughter. I don't I don't know how this would affect type one diabetes, but I think about her who's got to give herself boluses of insulin all day long and get a continuous basal dosage of insulin. And so she's constantly medicating herself constantly every day, all day long, which is like the drug you mentioned first would require three doses a day. Um, and exactly. we spend we spend tens of thousands of dollars a year on her insulin, even with insurance covering a huge portion of it. So, you know, twenty five thousand dollars for the dosage of a drug that lasts a year and a half it is not doesn't seem insane, especially when it's brand new. And, you know, with time and getting it out there and the more people who are who are doing this, the price will come down.
2: Yeah, exactly. And that's I think that's the right way to frame it. I think for, you know, for type one diabetes, just since we're talking about it, I think there's so much interesting research going on with stem cells. So I think, I think you're really going to see in the next few years that we're going to be able to hopefully like cure those patients in a sense, because now we have what are called gene edited stem cells, where you can make what are called islet cells, and islet cells, as you probably know, are kind of like the cells in the pancreas that secrete and produce insulin, and what happens in type 1 diabetes, for whatever reason, their body attacks their islet cells, and they, they're damaged, and they don't produce enough insulin, and so you can actually, now they're, they're doing clinical trials, so it's not still, it's not ready yet, but it will be in the next few years, for sure, where you can actually inject islet cells directly into the pancreas, and you can re, re, you can basically regenerate the pancreas, and then you're secreting, your body's making insulin, and you can get off insulin. Yeah, um, no, there's, always been, there's always with that, yeah,
1: I, I looked at a clinic in South America to take her down to do uh stem cell stuff, and they were they basically said, like, it's going to cost you a couple hundred thousand dollars, and we're we can't guarantee anything with her pancreas
2: that much. Hey, well, come see me. I do stem cells in Mexico and I do them in Dubai. I don't, we'll we'll, we'll talk, but yeah, I, yeah. I can do that. You can do them for your daughter, and they won't, we won't charge that much. That's crazy. Yeah, um, I was just we,
1: like, I can't spend a, hun- a couple hundred thousand dollars if you can't tell me this is going to work. You know,
2: uh, we'll we'll chat. We have a whole product. We have a whole autoimmune protocol we do using peptides and stem cells, and we're the only group in the world that has the gene edited stem cells as well, like the second generation. So, um, so we can we can help. We can probably help her. And like I think, at least even if she can't get off of it, she might be able to decrease the dose for now, um, mm-hmm. which is something that can help a lot of people that way. And like I think. And that's the thing with chronic disease. Like I've had patients with, you know, lupus rheumatoid arthritis who've been able to get off their meds in remission, um, and then other ones who who get a lot better but not necessarily off their meds. So there's different there's variability in response though, and we're still figuring out like exact dosing. But either way is like the point is it can bet it has so much potential. Like stem cells too have a lot of benefit and very little harm. But but the big the problem with stem cells is the lack of regulation outside of U.S. and there's all these medical tourism and predatory marketing and price gouging and like this type of stuff, right? Where they're just like, kind of like, you know, making it into a huge business where it's like, it's not. And, and that's where I feel like that's kind of why I got into space too, is because like, I was always interested in regenerative medicine and, but I was always skeptical about all these stem cell clinics. Um, but then when I started learning more and reading more, there is definitely something to it. It's just that the problem with a lot of these companies is they're, they're making it seem like, you know, they're, they're making it They're using all these celebrities and all these people to market and giving false hope to a lot of people, which I don't like. Um, And like, I'm very, I'm very, I'm very honest about what it works for and what doesn't work for and what we can do and what we can't do. Um, Whereas I feel like with a lot of these companies, they're just like, yeah, you can just cells for everything. It doesn't, it it just, you know, so.
1: Anecdotally, I've uh, experienced two people who I love very much having very different results, but one was for um, injuries to soft tissue. Which seemed to miraculously get better with stem cell therapy. He he had a problem in his neck and a problem in his shoulder, and stem cells uh, kept him out of surgery. Um, and then I I had uh, somebody very close to me with a neurodegenerative disease who was promised the world through stem cells, and nothing helped. So yeah. I, I I do think there are different things. Exactly.
2: And that's where you have to understand dosing and quality of stem cells and like different cell lines. And like these, these companies don't understand that they're just business. I know the people who own those companies, they're businessmen. They're not scientists and they get scientists to work for them, but they're not really interested in innovation and advancing the science. They're interested in profits. And, um, so it's just not the, it's not the best approach. Um, but for neurodegenerative conditions, they're, they're tough conditions to treat and you need to know, you have to counsel the patients properly and then also not get false hope. Right. Um, but but that's why, you know, we we I worked in Dubai this like I was there for four months, basically this winter working there. Um, and the reason I ended up I worked there um, was because they've been doing stem cells there for 10 years. They've been approved there because in Canada, and U.S. stem cells are still like a very highly regulated area. Um, I'm doing a clinical trial in Canada, so I'm allowed to do stem cells here, but not like all types of stem cells and only for certain things. So I have to travel, I have to take my patients, but in Dubai I got so much experience and like you learn when you travel, when, when I went to Dubai and then I went to Europe and then I went to Japan and then obviously South America, you get to kind of see the different, how people different groups around the world are doing stem cells. And then you can kind of like learn what the best practices are. But I feel, but I feel like a lot of these companies in South America, Colombia especially like um, I've had so many patients go there with like not good results and like, or even get worse and um, so it's just like, you know, you gotta be careful, gotta be careful where you go.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. I, I agree with that. Um, The, you know, I think I, I've always kind of been like when, when mainstream medicine picks it up, then I'll kind of trust it. That's kind of been my thing. I, I was put on a lot of weird diets as a, as a kid, but my mom was super into like, I mean, fucking some really weird diets uh, and they didn't work. And and so I I kind of like have been hearing about these things for a while and kind of disregarding them. However, the thing with um, Mangiorno was pretty eye opening to me because that is a peptide that the FDA is saying really works for what it what it's prescribed for. And you hear people do lose weight. It makes not eating as much not unpleasant. Right. Which is the hardest part about dieting. So if that's working and you see the way it's being manipulated a bit where they're adding, you know, vitamin D or vitamin C or something or whatever they're adding to it, that is like practically inert. But that's the way they can charge more money and and patent this concoction. um, It does seem to me that there's probably a bunch of stuff out there that could be helpful. Uh, And then I have weird guys whispering in my ear, you know, the fountain of youth in the gym that just gets me that just yeah, sticks good. my mind but, on it you know
2: check this out <laughs> i got the latest thing for you bro yeah I know you gotta watch out for the bros uh but uh the and that's the problem with this whole field right like i'm i'm obviously not a traditional doctor but in the sense i mean i'm a medical doctor but obviously i do things not traditionally and most of the patients i see have already been through the conventional system um they failed or they tried or they couldn't you know or whatever and or or they're trying to avoid surgery or whatever so um, I can tell you that after traveling and working in different parts of the world, that you cannot trust mainstream medicine in North America. Uh, and that's just a, that's just a reality of it. And like I, it, it really opened my eyes when I went to Japan and um, Europe, because they're especially those and even Middle East, because they're all very developed countries it's not like they're third world they're not like colombia like no offense to colombia but like you're not it's not really a good country you know what i mean it's not like they're successful and they're you know what i mean so japan is a very successful innovative medicine technology advanced country and they 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 do a lot of the innovation that comes in the world and so when i saw the fact they've been doing stem cells there for 10 years yet the fda still says they're dangerous and they're illegal then it just started making me think about everything that I've been told, and I, I was just, and that's where I really started going down this rabbit hole, and um, and then it just it just opened up my eyes. So yeah, you you can't, unfortunately, you have to really, you can't really trust a lot of what you're being told by mainstream uh, medicine, even a lot of your tradi- uh, regular doctors, because they don't know themselves, they don't educate themselves outside of what they're told in like their industry-funded talks and all that stuff. So you have to really. Um, self-educate which is what people are doing now but you have to but then there's so many gurus who are claimed to be experts and that's why you got to find the right people And that's why i know you've you've like brought on spencer like spencer is a great example of like oh he he debunks a lot of the bullshit out there when it comes to fitness and health because there's so many gurus in the space who just talk about the most nonsense stuff like I mean, I saw this one guy who's just saying like cold plunges are the best way to burn fat. Like you're going to lose so much fat if you're going to do cold. plunges. like, what right. are you talking about? Yeah, like,
1: no, it's it's uh, the the level of absurdity. And, and you know, the, there's also the problem, I think, with social media where like, you know, I can look at the abundance of omega-6 fatty acids in the American diet and go like, that's not beneficial for health, the amount of omega-6s we're going. But then you have people going like, if you put a drop of seed oils in your body, you're poisoning yourself. And that's also not true. You know what I mean? Like, there's got to be some middle ground. Yeah, I think on on average, we consume too much omega-6 from the perspective of health. So, lowering that is not a bad thing, but treating, you know, a, a a little bit of sesame oil on some rice occasionally is not harmful. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners or odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right because Rust-Oleum's new custom spray 5-in-1 gives you control with 5 different spray patterns
0: and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.
2: And there's so much individualization and customization that has, that you can do using... I, like, I, I personally, for when it comes to nutrition... I love using like. um, There's a company called the DNA Company. It uses uses nutrigenomics, try to so based off your genetics, like what type of you know food would be optimal for you. And then they also, and then you can also use a continuous glucose monitor, like a CGM, to see how you respond to different blood sugars. And you can do blood tests too for different inflammatory markers. So you can really figure out what works best for your body. Because I have paid like, like I you know I work with the Peterson family and like because I went on Michaela Peterson's podcast and like you know Jordan Peterson and all those people and like they're like strictly carnivore like they yeah. do not eat, like I, I was at the, i was at their house they do not eat like there was no carbs to be found there was just <laughs> literally meat more meat and i was like okay this is very interesting and they're like but they feel amazing they're like it changed their life they had chronic like it, so many issues before and they they like they can't eat anything but it works for them you know uh, yeah. but that doesn't mean it works for it and so that's and that's where you get into problems where people start seeing all these gurus and fad programs and that that's why like I, th- you know, I, my area, obviously I know a lot about nutrition, but I always defer to Spencer because Spencer is like the best when it comes to that stuff. He just, he knows his shit and he he debunks all that.
1: Yeah. Okay. So your company is working on preparing to release this thing, which you can amazingly give a course of a drug for a year and a half with one shot. That's not, you guys are not selling that yet. What are it is,
2: the. It is being. It's oh, available it is. Now, oh, we've done it for. And for some, uh, you know, we're doing it for uh, a lot of obviously billionaires, pro athletes, many people. And uh, there are some people who are just into anti aging longevity. Um, we've been talking to Brian Johnson, uh, the guy who spends $2 million a year on his body. <laughs> he, he's probably going to be doing it soon. Um, and uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, I'm talking to a lot of people to get it done. So it's, uh, but I know it's, it is expensive. But like you said, I think for people who want to invest in something for long term health and stuff, it can potentially be worth it.
1: Okay. But is that the nuts and bolts of your practice just that one thing or are you working with peptides in the normal scale also
2: no yeah yeah my i'm a so by training i'm a sports medicine and interventional pain doctor so i train i do i inject people for a living from head to toe to help them with injuries and pain and i use primarily peptides and regenerative therapies like stem cells and prp and stuff like that so that's what i do day to day um i am because but i am getting more but because we're we're doing so much on the manufacturing side now with the gene therapy and cell therapies um and we're opening up clinics kind of all over the world so I'm focusing a lot on that stuff but we do have like like our company is called Eterna like eternal without a l um but Eterna basically we're focusing on any chronic like basically all chronic diseases really because if you think about all like chronic diseases they're all rooted in the same molecular mechanisms which is like chronic inflammation mitochondrial dysfunction cellular senescence, like there's all these different hallmarks, they're called the 10 hallmarks of aging. And essentially, they underlie most chronic diseases. So instead of looking at like traditional medicine was always like, oh, you need to go see a stomach specialist. If you have stomach problems, you need to go see a liver specialist if you have liver problems, which works great for acute medicine for acute medicine is brilliant. Like it's beautiful if you need surgery, you know, and you need uh, those type of acute care type of stuff. is amazing. But for chronic disease, that model doesn't work very well. And there's a lot of people with chronic illnesses that aren't getting the care that they need. And that's where cell and gene therapy repair can be really helpful. So we even have cell therapies that I learned in Japan, like something called dendritic cells and natural killer cells. They're immunotherapy, then they can use for cancer. And they have like stage four cancer patients that are still alive today, which is crazy, uh, with you know that were doing chemo, but the chemo obviously didn't work, and then they did the immunotherapy, um, and they're able to save their lives. So there's all these like interesting cell therapies and gene therapies that are coming up, but that's really, I would say, my focus now is is cell and gene therapy.
1: Yeah, and that stuff isn't twenty five. I mean, I'm sure some of it's very expensive. I've, but
2: but I mean, I guess you got quoted like a hundred thousand or something crazy for stem cells. Usually, stem cells. Usually they're between, they start at 10, 15,000 and they go up to, we go up to like 25, 30,000, depending on what you need.
1: Yeah. Right. Okay. Amazing. And the, and the peptides are not astronomical either. I'm, I'm thinking like for, for a normal person who's like interested in weight loss, um, has had long-term problems, is scared of muscle wasting. If they come to you, it's not, they don't have to take out a mortgage on their house.
2: Oh, exactly. And the peptides are, I, I agree with you. Pep what's the like what's the lowest hanging fruit, right? I think it's it's hormone optimization, like after lifestyle, obviously, like hormone optimization. And then like peptides, because they're not they're not very expensive and they can change a lot of people's lives.
1: Yeah. Amazing. I, I do it it does seem very exciting. It's it's a it's a it's a field where for a long time I was very dismissive of it and you know i i guess i open my eyes and go like well the big pharmaceutical companies are using these things why yeah. and and they're available you know they they're there why not look into them
2: exactly just the other ones unfortunately aren't patentable so they're not fda approved but they're literally there's hundreds of pharma- there's pharmacies you can even get them from now in the us and they're pretty accessible
1: well yeah i mean that one you mentioned that that when they when they Put the name Mongerno on it and add something to it which doesn't change the thing itself right i mean that to me is the craziest scam ever and it's and if you look at the price online it's so much more expensive
2: it, it is it, and that's i feel like that's such a good analogy because i think that can be eye-opening for a lot of people
1: yeah yeah amazing dr khan this has been fascinating um I can't wait to talk to you in private about the the Fountain of Youth one, the epithelion or something. I'm utterly perplexed and interested in that. And uh, I think this gives uh, people a lot to think about. Thank you.
2: Yeah. Thanks for having me.
1: And now for the Q&A. Here's a
0: question from Vanessa. Hi, Vanessa. She says, Hey, Ethan, since I gave up smoking, I'm so, so snacky all the time. Yeah. I've heard about this. I know it's stereotypical that you can gain weight when you quit smoking, and now I understand why. I'm not even hungry half the time. Any advice for how to get through this period of time? I hope that it goes away soon and I just become back to normal again, but so far, it's hard. Thank you. Yeah,
1: man, it's a, that's a mm. real... That's a real one, Vanessa. I feel you. I don't know that I'm the perfect person to talk about this because I quit smoking for the last time uh, 18 years ago. And I've pretty much been on nicotine in some form since then. And so, like, you know, there were nicorette lozenges, nicotine patches. Now I have something called on. And, you know, at one point my wife was like, We we're, were, we have to redo life insurance and you have, you can't be have had nicotine for a long time. So you have to stop these lozenges. So I stopped. We did the, um, the life insurance test, blood work, all of that. And then apparently I was such a like a grump during all of that that she just like had them ready for me as we walked out of the doctor's office and handed <laughs> them to me and said I would like my husband back please <laughs> here's some nicotine so yeah it's tough you could fuck around with chewing gum or toothpicks there was a uh, there was a while where i always had a toothpick in my mouth mm-hmm. and i would always be chewing on a toothpick and then, you know, I got sick of chewing on wooden toothpicks, so I would chew on a plastic toothpick, and my wife and kids all thought it was horrendous and uncouth <laughs> and like an <laughs> embarrassment that I always had this little piece of plastic in my mouth. I had uh, worry beads that I would always be fidgeting with. Um, those have been the times that I've gotten off them, but I will say that every time I get off nicotine, I'm not a nice person. And I, and I like, I feel like I'm a nice person in general and I, and I enjoy being a nice person and uh affable guy. And, <laughs> and then when that goes away and I can see my children slightly heartbroken that dad's not nice anymore, it sucks. Um, so I don't know that I'm necessarily the right person. Like as far as weight stuff goes, I, I would try to, um, funnel my efforts and the need to constantly put and have something in my mouth into non-caloric vices yeah you know you could chew enough gum and get some calories out of it but it's like nothing compared to like snacking on m m's right yeah um and then if you gotta be consuming uh, go with celery sticks you know it's hard to gain weight eating celery sticks that's my advice i apologize for being imperfect i'm still on <laughs> nicotine uh and if, if you find that you're also not a nice person without it on nicotine pouches are pretty great.
0: <laughs> well, I think that's a good, honest answer. I think celery is always good. I one time would dip it in mustard, which my friends thought was crazy, but it was like something that has no calories and it's sure. like just satisfied that, you know, that's like, Oh, I just want to snack on stuff. So Best of luck to you, Vanessa. That is so understandable. And yeah, it's great and valiant to quit smoking. And thank you, Ethan, for your answer. And thank thank you, you, everybody out there who sends us questions. You know what? We always have room for questions. You want Ethan to answer something? You're curious what he thinks? Email us. It's hello at americanglutton.net.
1: Right. The worst that can happen is I don't know. (laughs) That's the worst that could happen. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee. You can follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely.